You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, really just about anything. Pick up the phone and, and give me a call. You're in the right place. That's what we do here. We take your calls. We answer your questions. And I like to say the show is really all about helping you be a better you, whether it's getting to know your business better, getting started in business, learning about goal setting, financial planning, whatever it might be. We'll tackle it here on the air. All you have to do is join us. I'm going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. Uh, for the last couple of months, I, I've been working on an idea and and been talking about different parts of it. And it's starting to come together. It, you know, I started doing some real research into habits, which led me to some research on willpower, which led me down the path to more research on how our brain really works. And as I was reading this, this idea was starting to take shape and it, it's getting a little clearer to me, but I'm not quite there yet. But I, I, I think I'm starting to understand why, even though there is so much information available today on everything you want to know, it, literally everything. If you want to learn a second language, if you want to learn about goal setting, about sales, about photography, you name it, the information is available. Fitness and weight loss, we know all that stuff. We know the right things to do. And if we don't know the right things to do, it's available right at our fingertips all day long. Why don't we do it? And for me, I've read well over a thousand books on personal development, self-help, business, goal setting, leadership, relationships, sales, you name it. And I don't do all those things that I know will work. Why not? And that's what I'm trying to work on. And I'm getting closer all the time. And, and one of the things that I think I've uncovered is that we are really all looking for the big home run. We're looking for the secret. We're looking for that one piece of information, that one strategy, that one idea that's going to put us over the top and just make everything work. I still look for it and I know it doesn't exist. Why do I keep doing that? And really, we don't succeed by hitting a home run. Very, very few people. The odds are so tiny that that's going to happen. The people who succeed, succeed very, very slowly over time. We just don't always see it. You know, we call people an overnight success and then we find out they were busting their butt for 20 years to get that break. And that's typically how it happens. You've got to do the right stuff over and over and over and over. The reason we don't do the right stuff is because it's too tiny and we don't see the results. 
And that's what we have to figure out how to get past. And that's why I'm such a stickler for talking about the numbers and measuring everything, because we need to make changes one tiny little change at a time. And then we just need to do those things, the right things over and over and over and over. And sometimes it takes years. You know, if we, if we look at fitness and weight, we don't get overweight overnight. It takes us years to gain that weight. And yet we want to lose it in 30 days or a week or even three months. I mean, it took us 10 years sometimes to gain it. We want to lose it all at once. It doesn't work that way. And then we get frustrated and we give up. So we stop doing anything because we're waiting for the big thing. The big thing doesn't exist. Let, let me clear that up forever. The big thing does not exist. I've looked. It's not there. You've got to do the little things. You know, it, in many times, we were already doing what would have taken us to the next level, but we quit and we look for something else. We think it's going to have to be something different. Let me give you a great analogy of how this works. It, and it's about relationships. If you've ever read any of the books like The Seven Love Languages or Men Are From Mars, and there is a, a bunch of books about relationships that got very popular. But one of the best explanations I've heard for why relationships go wrong, and I, I believe it was Tony Robbins who does this, he talks about in the beginning, when you first meet somebody and you're, you're looking for a mate and you are wide open and it's exciting and it's new and it's fun. And if you've ever read the book, like the seven love languages, some people like to be told that they're loved. Some people like to be shown with gifts. Some people like to be shown with attention. There's different ways that we all feel loved. Well, in the beginning of a relationship, because you're so excited and you're into it and you're just highly motivated, you do everything for that person. You tell them how you feel. You show them how you feel. You do things for them. And the good news about that is because you're doing it all, you will hit the one that matters to them most and they'll feel loved. But over time, we stop doing those things. And then we wonder why our relationship isn't working as well. And why don't we don't feel the way we used to feel? And we tend to blame it on the other person. Well, I, I don't, you know, I don't do all those things because they don't do them back. Or, you know, that I don't do all those things anymore because they've changed. They're not the same person. Well, we all change. We're all going to continue to change. What really happens is we stop doing the things we were doing that worked. You know, when we did those things, it worked. We got the mate. We're in a relationship. And then we stopped doing what worked. And then we wonder why the relationship isn't working anymore. We do that in business. We do it with health. We know what works. We do it. And then at some point we stop doing it and we think we need something more complicated. We think we need the advanced program. It's like people keep asking me for the advanced CMC. People keep asking Mike Beckett for the advanced alignment program. We always want to think there's something more that we have to learn. You know what? There really isn't. 
that what I'm finding is this success thing isn't all that complicated. We just need to figure out what works and then do it and do it consistently over long periods of time and not get impatient. This is why it's so important to measure, you know, and we have to be careful how we measure. If you measure too often, you're going to get frustrated. For example, weight. I know when you start a diet, you want to weigh yourself every day. I do it, but it's, it's kind of self-defeating because in the beginning you might lose three pounds one day and gain six the next. It, it, it depends a lot on so many other variables, what time of day you weigh yourself, what you've eaten, all kinds of things. And, and in the short term, those numbers will fluctuate pretty wildly and we can get discouraged because maybe yesterday was our best workout day ever. And today we seem to be heavier. So you want to be careful how you measure. But if we're going to make tiny changes over long periods of time, which is what will get you to the success, it will get you to the goal you want. We have to measure it so that we know we're heading in the right direction because they're small changes and we may not be able to see the results. But over time, with little tiny changes, we can make huge improvements. You know, I, I, the exercise, and a lot of people have heard this, but it, it makes such a great point. You know, you ask somebody, would, a, would, would you rather take a million dollars today or a penny today, and I'll double it every day for 31 days? And, and people realize that it must be a trick question, but it certainly seems like we should take the million dollars today instead of a penny today. A penny today, and then we double it every day. After a week, after 10 days, you only have like five bucks. After two weeks, you have like $5,000. Still, I mean, we're halfway there to our 31 days. And we are nowhere near a million dollars, but you would be absolutely amazed at how much money you end up with if you take a penny a day and double it for 31 days. In fact, I'm going to go to a break. I'm going to let you do the math. Figure it out. Penny today, two cents tomorrow, four cents the day after, eight cents the day after that. 16 cents you know after a week we're still in pennies could we really beat a million dollars go do the math i'll tell you what it is when i get back stick around i'm kevin rutherford
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. So here's the number. Believe it or not, you start with a penny today, two pennies tomorrow, four cents the next day, eight cents, 16, 32, 64 cents. Boy, we are rolling in the dough now. But if you do that every day on the 31st day, when you double the money, you will now have over $10 million. Isn't that crazy? That's how we improve everything. One little piece at a time, done consistently over and over and over. We have to be able to measure it to do that. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Cuyahoga Falls. Joe, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. I uh, have a question about um, personal vehicle miles. I uh, live in Northeast Ohio, and during November, I was deadheading from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, to Indianapolis to run UPS loads for them, pulling their trailer. And on the weekends, I would bobtail home. Um, would, would I be able to write that off as personal vehicle miles since I'm not under a load or. Well, we're going to talk about that. Do you know, I was, uh, I was born in Cuyahoga Falls, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah. Green Cross Hospital, <laughs> Cuyahoga Falls. So here's the thing. The IRS says commuting miles are not deductible and they get pretty aggressive in how they determine what's commuting it, for a company driver. Clearly driving back and forth to work to a terminal is commuting miles for an owner operator. It it gets a little more cloudy. Um, If you park your truck at a terminal or at a, a lot that you rent or at a truck stop and you use your personal vehicle to drive back and forth to get to the truck, the IRS says that's commuting and it's not deductible. But if you're using, your truck in your bobtailing. And that's correct, right? Yes. Well, we can ignore the whole issue because we're not going to deduct it as mileage and we're not going to try to claim the mileage rate. We're just going to deduct all your expenses. I mean, when you bobtail, you still have to put in fuel. We're still, you know, accounting for maintenance. So yeah, we don't have to distinguish between those miles we still get to deduct all your expenses. Now, if you were using your personal vehicle to do this, then we would have to dig a little deeper to find a way to get this to be deductible. And if it's a temporary thing, then we can. But but the good news is we don't have to dig deeper. We don't have to get creative. If you're using your truck to go back and forth, then we just write off all your expenses. Okay. Um, Now, another question I have, when I bought my truck, uh, I bought it in Denver and I flew out there. I did already did a rig dig on the truck and, um, came back real clean, never put out a service, the truck never seen salt. And, uh, I ended up buying it and I bobtailed home like 1300 miles would, I wasn't under a contract for any carrier yet. Would that be considered personal vehicle miles? No, those are still business miles. We we have a business reason for flying out there and driving the vehicle back. This isn't commuting or personal or anything. This is pure business. So again, 
We don't have to worry about the mileage. We're not going to try to keep track of the miles and take the allowance. But the minute okay. you truck, you probably went and put fuel in it. So we're going to deduct that fuel cost. Okay. And uh, I just want to say thanks for all the information you give to all of us. I've uh, took this W900L. The ECM report showed five and a quarter miles per gallon. And overall, for the last 70,000 miles, I'm at 6.65. And uh, um, I already got my appointment at Pittsburgh Power in two weeks. I'm getting a fast fuel system put on and their dampener and that mercury balancer. And um, I did fleet air filters, high flow mufflers, low rolling resistant tires, and uh, the Bully Dog Programmer. And uh, I've gotten as high as 8.82. 8 and sometimes I don't even like to tell other drivers what you're getting because they're probably just not going to believe you, you know? Well, you know, and, and I, I get why they don't believe you because for so many years, you know, drivers just didn't know their numbers. They were claiming fuel mileage that they got off their IFTA report. They're claiming fuel mileage they got off their ECM and everybody exaggerated. Right. You know, I had lots of people call me and say they had 700 horsepower and they drove 75 miles an hour and got seven miles to the gallon. And I know they're full of it. I know enough to yep. about fuel mileage to know you can't do it like that. Getting seven miles to the gallon is no big deal, but you can't do it like that. So right. it's only been, I think, the last couple of years that we've really been talking about real fuel mileage numbers. But I know what you mean. Sometimes, you know, it's better to keep it to yourself. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that just don't understand it. And they don't want to understand it. They don't want to take the time to know. But congratulations on doing the hard work. Let's go to Washington. Patrick, welcome to the program. Hey there, Kevin. Uh our business model had changed. We were regional for about 15 years, and I haven't been out here on the West Coast, Oregon, Washington, that kind of stuff in a few years, and I know you've addressed this in the past. So we're, we're buying a permit to get across Oregon because we don't have the puck plate. And so, you know, it says in Oregon with the fuel, with a puck, you get it for like 30-some cents cheaper. But I've already bought my way across. Um, I mean, what, 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 what gives, I mean, refresh my memory a little bit. And I know you've thought about it in the past and it's probably redundant, but no, it's okay. Somebody else out there in my boat too. So <laughs> oh, there's a lot of, in fact, there's more people listening right now that don't understand this issue than there are that do understand it. So we do need to talk about it because it confuses a lot of people. You know, I, I, I tell people I, I can give you the absolute strategy so that, you know, when you're buying your fuel, you're getting the best price. And as long as you just trust me and believe me, it works every time. Then what happens, though, is, is they'll run into somebody on the road. They'll explain what they're doing. And that other person will go, yeah, but you can't do that in Oregon or you can't do that in Indiana. And they're wrong. That other person is just wrong. But because the person doing it might not fully understand it. They start to doubt themselves. Is that other guy right? And, and I can convince you they're not. They're not. There are no exceptions to the rule, but I try to get people to understand everything so that they are more confident. So the, the rule is pretty simple. You take the pump price in any state. There are no exceptions. Take the pump price in any state 
and subtract that state's fuel tax rate. And then the price you're left with is what you're paying for the fuel. Now you can compare different places. That's it. And you always buy the cheapest number after you do that math. And, and Oregon's not an exception, but it gets a little confusing because people say, well, that doesn't work in Oregon because there is no fuel tax. Well, you're right. So what do you do? You take the pump price and you subtract what? Zero. But, but you can still do it. I mean, don't, don't think that it's got to be more complicated than that. Now, whether or not what you have to know is because you're on a permit, your price that we're starting with is different. You have to know how much you're going to pay for the fuel in Oregon and then subtract zero because there is no fuel tax. And when you're on a permit, you almost never buy fuel in Oregon. I mean, okay. it's just not going to make any sense. But if you do the math, you could also see that. Right. Okay. So, but then I got told at Burns Junction that they're no longer issuing puck plates. Is that true? Now that I don't know. I, I don't keep up with that, but whatever they're doing, and again, I somebody will probably call us who who is permitted in Oregon and let us know how it works right now. Uh, but whatever they're doing, if you're on the the permanent, if you've got the lowest price available in Oregon, then the math is the same. Or, or even if you don't, the math is the same. But like I said, you're probably never going to buy fuel in Oregon in that case. But there have been times where if you run that I-5 corridor, which a lot of people do, um, it, there are times where it makes sense to buy in Oregon. I've done the math. And, and the pump price in Oregon, there are some days where it's cheaper than fuel in California or Washington after we take the tax out. All right. So what okay. Matt, Matt just sent me a message and he said, they really haven't changed the rules. It's just you don't get a plate anymore. It's just a paper license. Okay, so it gets added onto your IRP, and then you've got a paper license instead of a buck plate. So that goes with your account for Oregon, and then all you got to do is take that in, I guess, huh? Yeah, that I, again, I, I don't always stay right up on compliance and the details and that kind of stuff, but for fuel tax, Oregon really doesn't change anything. We, we still do the math. Pump price minus the fuel tax in Oregon, it just happens to be zero. And then just compare it to other states you're going to be running. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Routh. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. 
We're going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's head off to Austin. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Oh, hi, Kevin. I got a couple questions about starting my business. Okay, shoot. Um, my boyfriend and I were looking to buy a truck and lease to Landstar um, mid-summer, late July, early August, and run team. And I met with a small business advisor and asked him that um, we want to use my last name, which is Kane, K-A-N-E, and just go by okay. Kane Trucking. And he said, well, if there's nothing registered in tech, be fine. And I checked that. But there is a Kane Transport in Minnesota and a Kane is Able Logistics in Pennsylvania. And my concern is since this business crosses state lines, that there actually would be more of a concern than if it were a traditional brick and mortar business. Okay, well, I can put your mind at ease. Um, the The name is a state issue. Now, there okay. are companies, obviously, that will register their name in every state so that they're protected in every state. But if the company doesn't do that, then you have the right to that name in Texas. Okay, great. And um, one more quick question. You've got a few calls and already on hold. Um, we're currently having the discussion over a pre-emissions versus an emissions truck. And uh, he turned me on to your show, but I've been listening to you a lot because I'm running line hall and picking up all this information. And I've become convinced that pre-emissions is the way to go. Okay. He's got concerns because, you know, if we could get something around 700,000 miles on it, he's concerned with the, uh, the amount of miles that we're going to put on this truck in very short order running team and the ensuing you know, maintenance issues that we could encounter. And my argument is that they're not these ghost phantom issues that they don't know how to fix versus the emissions problems I've been hearing and how many times it goes into the same problem. You I'm are correct. Get some better ammunition to put his mind at ease. <laughs> no, let, let me give you the best ammunition I can. And, and you know, we can certainly talk about my opinion and the fact that I sit here every day and I get calls and emails and text messages from people with emission related problems. And I get calls and emails and text messages from people who have sold those trucks and gone back to pre-emission. I could tell you all those stories and that would kind of be my opinion or what I'm hearing. And, and if you listen to enough of those, you would be absolutely convinced. I hear them every single day. I never miss a one of them. I'm right here. But but that's still kind of conjecture. And it's just, well, that's just what Kevin says. But the other thing I can tell you is we track lots and lots of numbers. And, and we have guys with two million miles on their trucks and their maintenance cost is 10 cents a mile at 2 million miles. We have brand new trucks with less than 300,000 miles on them. And the maintenance cost is 16 cents a mile, sometimes 24 cents a mile. So it's just numbers. I mean, it's not even my okay. opinion. I can just show the numbers that it is still cheaper to run a, a 1.5 million mile truck it's still cheaper to maintain that truck if it's pre-emission than it is to maintain an emission truck with almost no miles on it. All right. The the numbers are good. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. His opinion, speculation, and conjecture are, you know, all yeah, fuzzy. I, it fuzzy, is fuzzy. Uh, it, it, arguments. I, I get that. It, it's my opinion. I but But I can also put facts behind this. We track the numbers all the time. And 
I look at some of the the maintenance costs on these new trucks and I, I'm like, it would make me ill to own one of these trucks. And are these numbers that you're getting that uh, people are providing through profit gauges? Uh, profit gauges. And also over the years, I've worked pretty closely with ATBS and they have like 30,000 clients. So, you know, I've got thousands in profit gauges that I have access to. I've had access to their reports when I was working with them for years. So um, I ran an accounting company for years. We tracked costs there. So I've got lots of history in this. You know, there was a time when my goal was keep maintenance costs under six cents a mile. And and we were successful at doing that for years. The only reason it's up in the eight, nine range now these trucks are getting a little older, so the cost is going up, but the cost of maintenance is just going up. Tires are more expensive. Shop rates have gone up, but sure. we are literally seeing much, much lower numbers on these dirt cheap, you know, $10,000 trucks with a million plus miles on them. Okay. And so then I guess one number that's hard to tell is uh, the frequency of that, of having to spend that money. Cause obviously if you're spending the money on the maintenance, you're not making any money. Uh, my guess is that going in more often or longer downtime, but I guess that Much, would be another fuzzy. Argument. Yeah, it is fuzzy, but, but it, here's another factor. People say, well, you know, but if I buy a new truck, I'll get a warranty. So it, at uh-huh, least that's won't cost me anything. Well, let me ask you kind of a trick question. When is something free, not really free? When it costs you time where you're not making any money. Exactly. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> Shops don't like warranty because if you and I come in and they say, you know, we say, here's our trucks broke, fix it. They say, well, we can give you an estimate or we're just going to have to figure out what's wrong. And when it's all done and believe me, there are shops that use flat rate methods so that even if the mechanic finishes your job in two hours, if the manual says it t- should take four, they're going to bill you for four. Yes, I'm familiar with that concept. Okay. Yeah, it, that, and that's how they do it. Now, warranty work, because it's the manufacturer that has to pay that shop for that work, the manufacturer says, yeah, it's not going to work that way. We'll tell you how much we're going to pay you for warranty, and it's way less than what they get paid to work on your truck or my truck when we're paying the bill. So shops don't like warranty work. And if you do the warranty work and they're only giving you three hours to do it and it takes you six, well, you're screwed. And if it if you rush it and it comes back, you don't get paid the second time. So shops don't like warranty work. They tend to rush through it. They tend to put it off and not work on it till they absolutely have to. So you do see a lot more downtime when there's warranty involved. Okay. So there's a misconception that if it's under warranty, that gives you some priority, but not really. Oh, it's the exact opposite. Nothing could be further from the truth. They'd like you to believe that. But if they talk to... (laughs) Talk to anybody who's ever worked in any kind of shop. I used to manage a body shop, same way. Warranty work, my God, we would put it off and just do anything. We'd much rather do the other work. All right. Well, I had a couple of little questions, but this one um, used up a fair amount of time, and I know you got other people, so I'll call in another day. But these were the two big ones for me, and uh, I really appreciate everything you do. And uh, I'll talk to you.
You're welcome. And and if your boyfriend doesn't believe you on this one, you need to get somebody to take him out behind the woodshed and just beat him. Because I, I don't know any other way to convince you that you don't want one of these emission trucks. Let's go to Virginia, where Anna is going to sing for us. Right, Anna? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, Lisa told me you were singing when she answered the phone. Well, I got bored. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. What's on your mind today? Well, uh, another driver had told me he had been listening to one of the podcasts back in like the fall and that he heard that there was some kind of mentorship with a guy named David at Landstar. And I was wondering if that was still happening, if that was the truth even, and if it was still happening you know we we have a mentor program it, and it's kind of informal i i you know i need to get more involved with it i, I love what our mentors are doing and they're doing without out much help from me because i've always just been too busy um but it, it's pretty informal now landstar we've worked with them for years and years we have lots and lots of bcos with with great experience and we have lots of landstar bcos as part of our mentor team so what's happened over the years at different times, and, and yes, this is true. Somebody would call in and say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. I could use some help with my business. I don't understand my numbers. My rates aren't high enough. And we would just put it out to our mentor team. Hey, you know, here's a guy who could use some help. And we let, let our mentors decide, you know, if they want to help them or not. And, and if they do, then people just exchange phone numbers and Facebook and, and you know, they start working together. Nobody gets paid. It's all voluntary. We're just doing it as a way to give back to the industry. And in Landstar, just because we work with so many of their BCOs, um, we've done it with Landstar BCOs many times. Okay. The problem is uh, right now I'm a company driver. I do want to become an owner operator, but it's just so overwhelming for me. And when that happens, I, it, my mind like locks up. Got it. Okay, so I've got to get to a break. Hold that thought. When I come back, we'll talk about what you can do. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, just a real quick reminder. We're heading into the fourth segment at the end of this. I'll say I'm done. I'm out of here. I've got to go, but stick around because we'll come right back and do another hour. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment before the break. I was talking with Anna in Virginia. Anna, you still with me? I'm here. All right. So every once in a while, I, I usually make a deal with somebody. 
because I, I still like to help people through this process. Now, I, I can't help everybody who calls and asks, uh, but but I usually like to keep one or two people that I'm helping work through this process. And, and I'm going to make a deal with you. I have a program that will take away that feeling of overwhelm because there is a lot to think about. And, and if we don't know what it is we have to think about, we just get more overwhelmed because we think exactly. well, there's so much, there's so much that I do know. What about all the stuff that I don't know? And if I don't know it, how do I know it? And that's when we start to get overwhelmed. So I, I have a program that I wrote. It's got audio so you can listen while you drive. It's got video so you can watch from live seminars that I've done. And it's got a workbook that you've really got to dig into and actually do the work. I have you fill out worksheets and I grade you and score you and give you a timeline on how long it should take. Okay. So what I'm going to do, that program is normally $250 and we sell a lot of those. And a lot of people have used that exclusively to get started. It will walk you through every single step. You won't have to worry about what you're forgetting because there's checklists. It, it will keep you on track. So I'm going to send you a copy of that at no charge, but you've got to do two things for me. You've got to check in. You've got to check in as you're reading through the book and, and check in with questions or give me an update on your progress. And when you're finished with this, when you buy your truck and you are in business, and that will happen if you follow the steps, then I want you to find somebody else who needs that program and give it to them and let them use it to get started. Is that a deal? That's a deal. All right. So I'm going to put you on hold. Lisa will get some information. We'll get that out to you. Like I said, I, I, I can't do this for everybody. I just can't. But occasionally I like to help somebody through the process as long as you're willing to one, give me the feedback and two, pass this on to somebody else. Let me just say this. We do sell a ton of these programs. If you want a copy of it, go to our website, letstruck.com or give us a call and I'll give you that number in a minute. So grab something to write with, but it, it, we do sell a lot of them. And if you've already bought one, and you're done with it. And, and I mean, completely done. And I, you've probably marked it all up, filled in the workbook. So what? If you're done with it and you're not going to go back through it again, give it to somebody. Pass it on to somebody who, who has a lot of questions about how to get started because there's so much bad information out there. I want people to have the good information. You know, I saw a Facebook post today that I absolutely loved. Uh, somebody was talking about how long they've been a driver and the fact that, you know, for years and years, they kept asking people on the road about becoming an owner operator and everybody talked them out of it. And then they heard my show and I was talking people into it and they were so glad that they got the information and got started and they're very successful. I, I love hearing stories like that. So pass this on, pay it forward. Let's help people get started in this industry right. Let's go to BC. Travis, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I uh, thanks to you, I've bought my first truck. I'm a company driver, a third-generation uh, driver, and I've been driving. I basically got my license on my 19th birthday, and I've been driving. I'm 28 now, and I've been driving trucks ever since, and this is my first truck I just bought last week, and I got some questions. Ah. Congratulations. Thanks. It feels great. Yeah. 
So my question is, is well, it, I'll give you a little bit of info on the truck. It's a 1996 T600. It's got an N14 with an 18-speed. And here's the kicker. The rear end, it's got 433s. And it's wow. on 24 and a half rubbers. So I, I just a little bit more info on the truck. It's only got 220,000 original miles on it. I bought it from a local driving school that has all the maintenance records and everything right from new. And um, yeah, so wow. I'm looking to run most of North America with it doing uh, um, probably about 57 miles per hour, 57 to 65 probably I'd like to keep it in. Excellent. Excellent. Boy, what a, what a great find this is. That, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the first thing I would do is change tires on this thing. Get rid of okay. the 25s, uh, go to 225s. You know, I'd love to see wide singles. That's a personal choice, but definitely very low rolling resistance in 225s. Then we've got to change that gearing. But we would have to change the gearing even if we kept the big tires. 433 is just too low to do anything other than like local construction kind of hauling. Um, so what I would recommend is going all the way to 279s. And then you're going to run this truck in 16th gear from 55 to 60. 17th gear from 60 to about 68. And you've still got 18th gear if you ever wanted to go 80 for some reason. Uh Uh-oh, what happened? Um, I think you got, there you are, go ahead. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I don't think I'll ever want to go 80, but uh, that sounds like a lot better setup than what I've got. Well, it gives you so much more flexibility because right now you've got to get to 18th gear just to go 45 miles an hour and, and your RPMs are too high at 50 even. And you've got no yeah. flexibility. If we do that, what I outlined, it gives you all kinds of flexibility. You you know, at 55 to 60, you're in direct, which is your most efficient gear. So you're going to get the best fuel economy possible. But we still have that flexibility to go faster if we need to. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. That's great. Thank you, Kevin. I think you answered my question. And I'll you're definitely welcome. check back with you and, and let you know how it goes once I get rolling and, and, uh, and I'm looking to lease on with a company, but um, I'm definitely going to go for my own authority eventually. So uh, I'll keep you posted. Excellent. Excellent. I'd love to hear that. Make sure you check out all of our new podcasts that are all about becoming a carrier, using your own authority, working with brokers, sales. We've got three great shows on the network. Um, Rico Muhammad does a, a great show about rates and lanes. Kenny Long does a show about trucking with authority where he talks about becoming a carrier and all the things you need to know. And Chad Boblet does an outstanding show on working with brokers and and getting better rates. They all take a slightly different approach to some of these things, which is nice because we get different uh, opinions. But I got to tell you, these guys are sharp. They, They are really good at putting their facts together and great at answering questions. So check out those shows and you can find those on our network at letstruck.com. Let's head off to Cleveland. Steve, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Oh, got that oil sample there for you. This is that $10,000 money truck. You need to get Miss Anna there that you just talked to in one of these. 
That's right. Yeah, these are the kind of trucks we look for. All right. So what do we got going on here? We've got a a little bit. It is. And and because it's actually gone down two times in a row here, not a lot, but a little, I think we should just leave it alone. I I don't see it causing any problems. Um, You know, our viscosity is still good. The there's no wear metals to speak of, no soot. No. No. I, I don't no. think there's anything wrong. I, I think I would just keep doing what you're doing. Well, I, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna definitely do that. I'm going to uh, get it into Mr. Mallinson here in the next uh, month or so and get the overhead run. And I want him to crawl all over it. I want to know everything there is to know about this uh, engine. And you called recently with the uh, gentleman with the five thousand dollar truck convinced me not to go anywhere else, just go ahead and set it up and go up there. And uh, yeah. I'll get him to put the, the OPS and the pass on at the same time because, uh, you know, like it's like it, it, as far as business goes, I'm doing fantastic. So uh, there's plenty of money there to do the things I need to do. Excellent. Excellent. I, I so, absolutely uh, love that. Yeah. And uh, so I'm uh, definitely... I definitely want to uh, do that, and uh, and if you don't, uh, if you don't mind, when we get through, I want you to put me back on hold and get uh, Lisa to pick up. I'm uh, I'm willing. Uh, I've just gone through company driver to land, so I'm definitely willing to talk with uh, the young lady there that uh, was looking at doing that and kind of give her some of the ideas. But yeah, if she goes through Excellent. your book, that's that's number one thing. But I've just gone through that process, and in the first four months, I'm at about 181. Uh, for all miles, and uh, my expenses are below 70. So, <laughs> outstanding. outstanding, great numbers. I love the fact that you know all the numbers and they're good. And thank you for, for stepping up and volunteering to help out. That's what the mentor program is all about. We don't get paid to do it, it's just our way of giving back. So, yeah, I'll put you on hold. Lisa will pick up and uh, she'll make all the arrangements. Thanks for joining me. The music's playing. That means I've got to get out of here. I'll see you back here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rothenberg. All right, here we go. We're going to do another hour. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. In fact, it's all about helping you become a better you. So we we talk about all kinds of things, trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, personal development, financial planning. 
really, if you've got a question, pick up the phone and give me a call. I'll do my best to get you an answer. If I can't answer it many times, somebody in the audience can. We can talk about health and fitness. We can talk about sleep, goal setting. Really, like I say, if you've got a question, give me a call. We'll see what we can do. Uh, I'm going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. I have been working on kind of a theme. And, it, and it's all starting to come together. And it, it's around a, a new idea to help people do even better at everything, whether it's weight loss, fitness, relationships, your business, your money, whatever it might be. I've just been working on some ideas and some new research into just how to do everything better. And the interesting thing is it, it, could, it just comes down to being patient. And I think that's the one big ingredient we're missing in a lot of our plans and our goal setting. We're not patient. We want everything to happen too fast. You know what? Probably the best example for me is when I formed the idea of, of having a radio show of being on the radio and, and taking calls from people and answering their questions. I, I can tell you exactly where I was when I had the idea. I wrote it down as one of my goals at the time. And it took me 10 years, 10 years, almost to the day. In fact, from I, I went back and looked when I when I wrote the original goal uh, I was leaving the Louisville truck show, the Mid-America truck show in 1997. I had just finished doing a seminar and on the plane on the way home, I was reading an article in Barron magazine about the newest technology coming down the road, which was satellite radio. It wasn't out back then, but there were two companies formed. They were working on the technology and, and the idea hit me. You know, I just gave a seminar and people had all these questions. I'm good at answering questions. And satellite radio, imagine that. Imagine a radio that when we put it in the truck, we get the same channel everywhere, no matter where we go, no matter what time. All, we know what we can listen to and, and we can get it wherever we go. And the idea hit me. I, I want to have a radio show on satellite radio so I can answer questions. My show started in April of 2007, almost 10 years to the day. Now, could I have done it sooner? Looking back, I can see all kinds of ways I could have pushed a little harder, done a little more. But you know what? I was patient. I, I was building up my knowledge over that time so that when I, if not if, when I got the chance, I knew I was going to get the chance. When I got the chance, I'd, I'd be better prepared. And I talked to people and I learned everything I could. And, and eventually I got there. And, and yet some people say, well, he just got lucky. Yeah, I didn't just get lucky. I, I had a goal. I worked towards the goal. I measured it and I was patient. And many, many times we're just not patient enough. So we try new things when what we were doing was working just fine. We just have to wait a little longer. It's why it's so important to have your plans in writing and to measure them the best way possible. You know, if, if it's money, that's pretty easy to measure. 
If it's fitness, there's lots of ways we can measure that. You know, relationships, sometimes it's a little harder to get an absolute measure, but, but the better you can measure something and the more you track it, the easier it is to stay on task even when we're not seeing big results because we're not going to see big results. That's what everybody's hoping for, but it doesn't happen. And then we get discouraged and we just stop. So I, I, I haven't fully worked out this idea yet, but it's, it's coming together. So I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. For right now, I'm going to get to some phone calls. Let's go to Ohio. Frank, welcome to the program. Yes, I'm, I know you can't help it, but, you know, a lot of times people call in these shows and they'll they'll talk about how good they like the product. And the product that I'm talking about is air tabs. And they called in another truck of shows talking about how good they are in the wind and all that. And I cuss that person all the time. Every time I get in the wind or a truck goes around me and they whip me around and you know, air tabs just to me is just worthless. And I called air tabs and we talked with them about them, and, and they said, "Well, they had so many people that bought more than one set. It must be good." So they wouldn't give my money back, and I'm not sure. I mean, it's worth it to me to even crawl around here and take the air tabs away. But to me, I well, don't, there, there's I don't. a couple things going on here. One. We have much better research to know that they work instead of just, well, people bought more than one set. I mean, that's a good sign, but that doesn't tell me much. That's not the kind of facts I'm looking for. Before I picked up AirTabs as a product, which goes back many, many years, I did a ton of research. We don't have to depend on what people say. I mean, the, the concept behind an AirTab is it's basically a NACA duct and we use it, but it's inverted. We use NACA ducts in all kinds of things. NASCAR uses them. Uh, we use them in aerospace. We use them in the airline industry. A NACA duct works. A NACA duct is a way to direct air. That That's all we're trying to do is direct air using vortices. Now, all those words sound big, but we have absolute proof. I mean, NASA has done extensive research into the use of NACA ducts to, to move air. So we know they work. I mean, what you might be finding is every truck and trailer combination we put these air tabs on is different. I mean, different trucks with different aerodynamic profiles, different trailers, different loads. If we're talking about open deck kind of stuff. So, I don't expect that every single truck we put this item on is going to see the same results. It's not. We know that about every product we talk about. It's why you've heard me say many times, we use the 70% rule. If I can put a product on seven uh, on 10 trucks and I can get a positive result on seven, that's good enough. Because in yeah. all the years we've been testing products, I've never seen 10 out of 10 ever. Just doesn't happen. So seven out of 10 turns out to be a pretty good number. Now, here's the thing. You didn't see any improvements in your aerodynamics as far as fuel goes, but that's pretty subjective. Now, did you see some fuel mileage improvements? Maybe not. Uh, many times we can't measure it. It's too small to measure. Doesn't mean it's not there, though. 
So we've done enough testing to know they do improve aerodynamics. They do improve fuel economy. We can't measure it every time. And I'm sure there are times we put it on a truck and, and you can't tell much difference. Yeah, I got a I got a international ninety nine hundred, a ninety two hundred. I mean, and I, I know my air fins are straight back. Where some air fins kind of flare out a little bit. I don't know. I just know they don't do nothing for me. My next question was: I just rebuilt this engine. It's an ISX, and we had to go all the way through it. And at about thirty five hundred miles, it used a gallon of oil. And it hasn't used any since. It's got 5,800 on it now. Does that mean it's broken? No, but it, it, it's a good, well, you said you put the first gallon in at 3,500 and now you've got 58. So we haven't even doubled that yet. Are you down on the stick at all? No. Okay. So this is pretty common. We, a lot of times we see that first gallon of oil goes really fast, almost immediately. And part of it could just be when we do an in-frame, we don't get oil out to all the galleys. So sometimes that first gallon goes pretty quick. But then if it slows down, that's not a sign that the engine is broke in, but it is a sign that the rings are probably seeding. And that's a good sign. Break in will take full break in will take about fifty thousand miles. So is it too early to put synthetic in it? Nope, you can go ahead and put synthetic in it right now. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go. Oh, you know what? I better get to a break. Uh, there's the music, but we've got more stuff right around the corner. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Kevin Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to head off to Virginia. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hey, Mr. Rutherford. Um, first, I want to say congratulations on the grandbabies. Thank you. And um, I, I just kind of got to thinking, and I know my buying a truck is probably a, a year or two off. I uh, was I'm, I'm doing something to build my credit at the moment, so I'm going to wait and get that built up before I could do some more stuff and save some money. But I, I it led me to, to, to question, although it's not ideal, 
the trucks that have the, the EGR coolers and EGR on them, do you think it's an, a, a quote-unquote old enough of a technology where most shops should know how to fix them if something does happen? Well, using the word should probably skews the answer. Yeah, I believe they all should know how to fix this stuff by now. The problem is that, that would, do they? No, they don't. They really don't. We still and even if they know how it it's still costing us a fortune to run these trucks. The 06s, 07s, 05s. These are the ones I'm seeing with, you know, 18, 19, 20 cents a mile as cost. And, and we're not seeing good fuel economy out of them. And we're not seeing them last a million miles. And we're seeing so many downsides. Those are the engines I absolutely don't want to own. In okay. fact, if it came right down to it, I would rather own a, a 2015 than a 26. Well, you know, this is why I call and ask these questions, because otherwise I would make an un, uninformed assumption. Never a good idea. No, it's not. So I, I'm glad you did ask that. Yeah, you know, we should know how to fix these, but the reality is we just don't. Or, or maybe they're such lousy systems that, that they can't really be fixed. All we can do is kind of keep them running, but they're not running all that great and they're expensive. And I, I do think that we're actually getting better, even though the 2015s are much more complicated. They've got the DPF and the SCR and all that stuff. We're seeing much, much better fuel economy out of the 2014s, 2015s when they work right now. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that I'm going to go buy a 2015. I'm not. I don't want one. I won't own one. But just so you know, I would rather own that than an 06. I, I think four, five, six, seven. God, it's just all horrible technology. Let's. Um, Let's go to Utah. George, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Kevin? Thank you for taking my call. What can I help you with today? I had a couple questions. Um, one is the uh, IRS. Uh, the lumper fees or unloading fee by a company that I'm leased to, they pay me a rate. I pay for that lumper fee, but I, um, and they count it as part of the uh, payment of the loan. Do I need to pay taxes on that, or does the lumber company pay taxes on it? Well, let, let's follow the money through the transaction. So if the carrier is saying, we're going to pay extra on this load, and the idea is that it's for a lumper or a loading and unloading charge, that's fine. That, that doesn't complete the transaction. We don't know what's happened to that money yet, so we don't know how it's going to be taxed. What if you decided to just take that money and unload the truck? Okay. If you did that, then you would be the one to pay the tax because you got the money. You got paid to do the work. You would have to pay the tax. But if you take the money and you pay somebody else to unload the truck, then you don't have the money anymore. You don't pay tax on it. You would deduct it as an expense. And the company you paid the money to has to pay the tax on it. If it, even if it comes out as what the load paid completely, the, the total payout that the, the load paid be included that lumber fee? Yeah, let's say or, that the load pays $1,000. Okay. 
And, and let's say that the company says, okay, 750 is for line haul. 250 is for a lumper fee for loading and unloading. So the company is going to give you $1,000. Now you have $1,000 in your hand and you have a choice to make. You can take the 250, unload the truck yourself and pay the tax on the money, or you can pay the $250 or any amount you want. I mean, just because the company paid 250, if you could negotiate somebody to unload for a hundred bucks, then you would deduct the hundred dollars as an expense because that's really what you paid and you would pay tax on what's left. It, it's possible, I guess, that you might go someplace and it costs 300 to get it unloaded. Now you got to take 50 more bucks out of your own pocket. In that case, you would deduct $350 for unloading. That's what you paid. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, yeah. Now the, the $300 that I paid for the lump, Is that, would that, do I mean at the end of the year, do I pay the taxes on that? No. Or is like you said, it's because it's a deduction. I have to deduct it out of what, uh, the 1090 that that they give me. Yeah, let's say, no, you don't deduct. Here's what would happen. Let's say that just to keep things simple, this load that I just described, thousand dollar load was the only load you do for the whole year. So when we go to fill out your tax return, now, are you a company driver and owner operator? I guess I better get this straight. Uh, owner operator. Okay. That's what I thought. And that's the way I've been explaining it. So if this were the only load you pulled on your, on your schedule C on your tax return, that's where we, we report your business income and expense on the schedule C for income, for revenue, we would put a thousand dollars because that's what the company paid you then we would be able to deduct any expenses we had to run the business. And if we paid $300 to a lumper, we would then subtract $300 from the thousand and we would pay tax on what's left over the 700. Okay. 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 I had one more question. Question okay. two. Since you kind of have to have insurance, Do you have a, a basis of what should I be looking for as, a, as an insurance plan? Are we talking about health insurance? Yes. Sorry about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at this, but, but I have a pretty clear cut way. I believe that we should pay as much of our own health care out of our own pocket as we can. And almost everybody else seems to have the opposite approach. Everybody wants $10 co-pays, low deductibles. They want insurance to pay for everything. Well, the more insurance has to pay for things, the more expensive everything is going to become. So just personally, I carry $10,000 deductibles. And a lot of people think, my God, why would you even bother having insurance? Well, because I can handle $10,000 out of my own pocket in an emergency. What I can't handle is a $250,000 surgery and, and extended stay in the hospital. You know, that would wipe somebody out. That's what I want insurance for. $10,000 I can handle myself. And by having a high deductible and paying for most things out of my pocket, I keep my premiums down low. And if I use what's called an, uh, an HSA, a health savings account, 
then I can also get a big tax deduction for all of those things I have to pay out of my own pocket. Oh, okay. So go look for a high deductible and see if you can find a time with the HSA program yep. in it. Yep, exactly. That that's what I recommend. There's lots of different philosophies. I, I just think that we should treat health insurance more the way we treat all the other insurances we get. We, we, if we get car insurance, we all get auto insurance. We don't get coverage to replace the brakes. We don't get coverage to do our oil changes for us. We don't get coverage so that we have a $10 copay when we take our car into the shop. We don't do that with auto insurance. We cover our auto for catastrophic events, things that we couldn't afford to fix. Why don't we do the same thing for medical? Why do we think we should cover everything with insurance and have these low deductibles and, and very, very low copays? It doesn't work. It makes everything more expensive. If I have to pay the insurance company and the insurance company has to pay the medical bills, they also have to make a profit. So the price has to go up. It's impossible not. So the trick is don't try to cover everything. When we're talking about medical insurance, treat it like homeowner's insurance. We don't expect our homeowner's insurance to fix our leaky plumbing. But if our pipes burst and floods the whole house and we have $80,000 worth of flood damage, then yes, we expect the, the insurance to cover it. Catastrophic events. We should think the same way with our health insurance. I'm going to get to a break. We've got more stuff right around the corner. Don't go away. I'm Kevin Ruth. All right, real quick, um, looking at the calls, and we could probably handle maybe two or three more calls. So if you're listening right now and you press one really quick, we should be able to get to you, and I'll uh, keep you updated. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right to the phone calls. Let's go to Illinois. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I've just been, you know, doing some research on trucks and everything, and I, I understand the Cummings and, you know, I understand the ISX and the N14 and the Series 60. What I'm really getting confused on is Caterpillar. 
C-15, C-13, C-12. You know, I just wonder if you could give a brief description of what each of those motors are and, yeah. uh, you know, go from there. Yeah, the way CAT does their engines is by liter size. So a C-15 is a 15-liter engine. A C-13 is a 13-liter engine. A C-12 is a 12-liter engine. So just for comparison purposes, the Series 60 is a 12.7-liter engine. That's why we call it a 12.7. So, you know, the, the Series 60 is more in line with the C-12, C-13. Uh, the C-15 is a bigger engine. Um, Series 60, Detroit ultimately ended up going to a 14-liter. So, you know, we can have a Series 60 at 12.7 or we could have it at 14. Uh, same with Cummins. You know, they have some smaller liter engines, 13. The ISX is a 15-liter engine. Um, I, I don't believe that we needed 15-liter engines. I, I like the 12- and 13-liter size. The problem was with emissions, it was actually easier to solve a lot of the emission problems with a bigger engine. That's why we went from a 12.7 to a 14 liter. It's why all the A-certs were 15 or 16 liters. But it doesn't mean that we were building the, the best engines or the most efficient. They were just making them bigger to try to solve some of the problems. Now, the other thing you need to know about CAT is everybody else, everybody else, uh, Detroit, Cummins, Volvo, Mercedes, International, everybody else used EGR for their emissions. CAT used ACERT. Um, and I don't remember what ACERT stands for, but um, it, it's a different technology to meet the emission standards. It's doing the same thing. It's basically bringing the exhaust back into the combustion chamber, but it does it all internally using the valves, whereas EGR was all external. We have an EGR cooler. We have an EGR valve. Uh, it opens and closes. It, it, it's all happening externally. ACERT is just a different technology, and it's doing the same thing, but it's just internal. So, you know, up to roughly 03, cats were non-emission like everybody else. Starting in 03 and 04, you had the bridge engine, which was kind of a start on emissions. And then we went to the C-15 ACERT or the C-13 ACERT, which was full-blown emissions. That help? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Anything that, that, else I can help you question. with? Nope. That's about it for the day. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to New York. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing today? Good. What can I help you with? Oh, by the way, uh, before I ask my question, I heard a gentleman who called in a couple of days ago said he was getting two mess two messages every time you send out that message we are recording on XM. Uh, I also get the same thing, and I know you guys are paying for the text message that you send for the phone number, but because I follow you on Twitter, every time you send that message, I get a text message, but I also get an extra text message, and I know you guys don't want to do that because it's expensive. So I just... Yeah, I I appreciate that. You know, there, there's yeah. one thing that, that people could do. Because, look, I understand when you get on a list, you don't always want to stay on a list forever. 
you know, there are times where I'll sign up for an email newsletter. I'll read it for a while and then I'll go, ah, you know, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I, I want an easy way to unsubscribe. You know, and it doesn't mean that I don't like the people anymore. I just don't want to get that. And I understand that. The same with the text message. And people send us back messages all the time saying, take me off your list. And I try to keep up with it. I really do. But if you'll notice, every time we send out a text message, there's instructions there. All you have to do is text the word stop back to us and it'll take you off the list automatically. And I don't have to do anything. Um, Ultimately, what we're doing we're moving to a new text messaging system. And once we do, I'm going to be able to send you to one place and you'll be able to choose the way you want to be notified, whether it's email, text message, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. So we're going to set up a system that lets people customize how they want to be notified. That'll work. Um, Okay. So um, I've been following your advice for a couple of years. I wish I had... Uh, come into contact with your program before I bought the truck. I ended up buying um, an EGR 09 ISX. Okay. And it's been really expensive. But um, I've been able to manage it thanks to you. Uh, I've done a bunch of performance upgrades to Bruce. I put on the fast. I'm running OPS and synthetic. I put on a new damper. I'm running Good. the fleet, fleet muffler. So, um, my, um, I've been following, uh, I have fuel gauges and I'm up to seven miles per gallon. Excellent. So we're, we're good on that point. And I just paid it off the last two months. So I really, really would just want to say thank you. Um, it's expensive and anybody who, um, tells you otherwise hasn't really experienced these trucks. I, I actually had a friend of mine, he had $50,000 and he asked me what kind of truck to buy because I've been following you. I try to advise him to get anything before 2002 and he ended right. up buying a 2011 international <laughs> so i don't know what the allure is <laughs> but, I but i think he does not understand what i know and it's kind of hard to tell people uh, i think the uh, the attraction of new trucks and all that stuff and getting easy financing and all that it's really hard to fight that so it is yeah uh, yeah um i uh, i've been a non-operator for about four years and um, I don't have my own authority, but I've been working with an independent dispatcher and I use their tags and all that, but I've been running the boards basically. And I think I understand that. What I really want is to understand the Landstar operation. And I was also wanted, if you could plug me into somebody who can advise me on how to get started and how to, I want somebody who is actually doing it right now. So that I can compare with what I'm doing because I'm not doing too badly. Um, I just need to get the profit gauges to actually get the numbers. But I use the neat uh, receipts system and I capture every single invoice that I have and uh, plug it into a chart of accounts. And um, all I need to do is just get my data into your system. Then that way I can know everything per mile. So, but that's where I am, and I'm trying to move on to the next step. And I need, I've had a lot of good things about Landstar and I want to understand how it works and what it's like if I would get a mentor. Excellent. So it, it is a great system. It's one of the reasons we, we work with very, very few carriers. And, and trust me, I, if, if I just wanted to, to make a lot of money, we would have 30 carriers all paying us to send drivers to them. And, and we're just not going to do that for a lot of reasons. It doesn't work. 
Um, and, and it's not all about the money, but there are a couple carriers we really like, Landstar being one, Mercer being the other, and some small carriers here and there. And the good news is we have a, a lot of BCOs over at Landstar that are just outstanding. They know that system. They're really good at running a business and they can help you a lot. So I will put you back on hold. We'll send it out to our mentor team. No guarantees. You know, these guys aren't paid. It's all voluntary. Hopefully we've got somebody that has some time. And, and I just want to take a couple minutes and thank the people on the mentor team. I, I know you're not getting a lot of support from me right now, um, but you guys do such a great job on this on your own. And I really do appreciate it. So uh, Lisa will pick up and we'll see what we can do. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at the clock and I think I'm going to take us into a break. And when we come back, we'll get to more of your calls and questions. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. Check out all of our new shows. We've launched our podcast network. We have lots of great ideas for shows. We have six shows running currently. We're going to be adding some more very soon. And this is a big project. We, this, is, this is our big, big project going forward. This is the future of our company, is this network. And I can see a time where we will have 20 to 30 trucking-related shows as podcasts. Now, that's a big vision. It's going to take a lot of money. I'll handle that part, but I do need your support. I don't need your money right now. There may come a time where I, I will... Right now, all I need is your support. I just need you to go listen to the shows. Now, if you hate them, then don't listen. But but listen to them. I think you're going to like them. And then listen to them more. Because the more you listen, the quicker I can build this. So go to letstruck.com and check out the shows on the Audio Road Network. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Ruffin. back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to Washington. Wayne, welcome to the program. Well, hi, Kevin. How are you today? Doing great. What's on your mind? Uh, first off, I want to say thanks for all you do. Um, you know, I've uh, been struggling with weight, and you're helping me get motivated again to get back in shape and uh, get back into the audio book. Um, I listened to Ben Carson's audio book on, um, oh, I just had a brain. Uh, anyway, it was a good book. Uh, but I have two questions for you. The first one is, um, Mike, I'm a Washington-based resident. My company is based in Washington. 
they want me to incorporate outside of the state of Washington in order to lease onto them. And the reason is there was a lawsuit uh, for independent contractors. And because of that lawsuit, that's why they're telling me to incorporate outside of my home state. I wanted to get your, your thoughts on that and a recommendation. Yeah, the... I understand why companies are doing this. We, I even worked with a company for a while that that forced all of their independent contractors to incorporate. Now they at least would let you do it in the state, you know, that you lived in. But but they wanted that protection against workers' comp cases. FedEx uh, forced all of uh, line haul contractors uh, to become incorporated and pay our drivers as employees to protect themselves from that. So it's not unusual. The, I, I don't know. Well, I guess I do know Washington state uh, is one of the more aggressive Washington state has tried to claim that truck drivers are uh, subject to overtime rules. So, so employers and, and trucking companies get pretty nervous about Washington state in general. Um, you have to decide if they're requiring it, then you, you have two choices, either do what they want or go somewhere else. And you've got to decide right. whether it. so I'll give you the downside. It's not huge, but you're going to have to form a corporation in another state. But because you live and run your business in Washington, you're also going to have to file with Washington as what they call a foreign corporation. So you end up with two states that you have to file in and two states that you have to pay fees to. That's the downside. Awesome. That's really the awesome. only. Yeah, I know. It's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, and many times it's cheaper if you would set up the corporation in Washington. The fees are less than if you set it up somewhere else and come back and file as a foreign corporation. Many times they charge you more. Okay. All right. Uh, now, what what would you recommend? My 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 wife and I run team, and we're going from company drivers to owner ops. Um, what what type of a corporation would would you recommend for us? So, what I would recommend, since you're going to have to do it out of state, I would recommend that you file in Nevada. Now, here's the other thing I want to tell people: anybody else who's listening. I am not recommending that you file a Nevada corporation. The only people I recommend that to are people who live in Nevada or in this case, you're being forced to choose a different state. So if you have to choose a different state, we're going to choose Nevada. They have good rules. It's cheap. It's easy. Uh, there, there's just lots of reasons. But um, I just want to be clear. I am only recommending Nevada because your, your company says you have to go somewhere else. If it okay. wasn't the company, I would just say do it in Washington and be done with it. But since okay. you have to go to another state, I'm going to recommend Nevada. I'm going to recommend that you file as an LLC in Nevada and then choose to be taxed as an S-Corp with the IRS. Okay, taxed as S-Corp. Right. Okay. And if I could ask one other quick question, what is the difference between the service you provide and the service that the other four-letter comp company provides as far as taxes, bookkeeping, tracking miles, all that kind of stuff. A couple differences right now, and, and 
in the next year or so, those differences will get smaller. Right now, we don't do what we refer to as full service accounting and, and ATBS does. So ATBS has a program where you send all of the paperwork to them and they do all the paperwork for you. We provide okay. the software and the training, but we have you do all the data. And um, the other big difference is they don't have any system for tracking fuel mileage at all. And our system for tracking fuel mileage is free. Um, okay. We are going to be launching full service accounting tax services. We're it's in beta right now. We're we're working with a small group of people to do it for them and get all the our systems worked out and rules in place and, and that kind of stuff. And we'll let everybody know when when we're opening that up um, to everybody. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And and and. And one more quick comment, boot the haters. Yeah, there you go. It, and you know what? I might as well address that again because I've gotten a ton. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the haters. I'm just not. So don't worry. That we're not going to turn this into a you know, Jerry Springer show. But I'm also not going to ignore them. When they want to post hate on Facebook, I'm just going to aggravate them right back. And the reason I'm not giving, I'm, I'm not going to let them do that anymore is because we've let the haters chase us out of everywhere. They chased us off the CB and, and we let them. They chased us out of the lunch counter and we let them. They chased us out of the forums and let's truck and I let them. I'm not letting them anymore. The ignoring them doesn't work. They don't go away. I mean, it, it's obvious. Look, just look. I mean, we've been saying just ignore them for years, but we never stop to think it doesn't work. They win. So I'm not ignoring them anymore. I'm just going to take them on head to head every time I see them. But we're just going to keep doing what we've always done here on this show, which is focus on the positive and help people with their questions. Let, uh, let's go to Pennsylvania. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, question for you about 401ks. Uh, I have about $100,000 in a 401k, and uh, it's actually managed by the old company that I used to be with many, many years ago. I want to take control of that myself. How do I move that over, and how do I do that? Uh, well, first of all, a couple things. Congratulations on having the money. That puts you in about the top 5% of the uh, country. And second of all, congratulations on asking this question because you absolutely want to get it out of there. It's pretty rare, but there have been cases where that money disappears. Now, it yep, shouldn't have. That's happen. my fear. Yeah, it shouldn't ever happen, but it does. Companies have found ways to get in there, get access to that money, you know, intention start to put it back, but then things go wrong and, and money's disappeared. So. I'm glad you're asking. The good news is this is super easy. All you have to do is pick where you want it to go. T. Rowe Price, E-Trade, uh, any of the brokerage houses or mutual fund companies can do this for you. And because they want your money, they'll do all the work. You call them up and say, here's the deal. I had a 401k. I was at a company. I'm not there anymore. I want to roll it over to you and they will be on it and, and they'll do it all for you. Beautiful. 
Yep. Well, so it, that's about as simple as you get then. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, your biggest decision and, and the work you have to do is just figuring out where you want to go. Now, I, I recommend making sure where you park this thing gives you the option of what's called the um, Roth 401k so that we right. can pick and choose whether we want to do pre-tax, after-tax, we can mix and match. Uh, I, I don't know everybody who offers it, but I do know the two that I mentioned, T. Rowe Price and E-Trade, both offer a nice self-directed Roth 401k because I've opened the accounts with both of them, so I know they exist. Okay. So other than that, you know, the, the big factor then is fees. You know, we just try to go with a, uh, a company that offers the lowest fees. And I'm actually doing some research on this topic again right now because it changes all the time. I haven't done the research on this in a couple of years. So uh, just this morning, by the way, I was reviewing 401k plans. So in the next week or two, I will be doing a podcast and, and maybe even a weekend show on Sirius about this topic, about some basic financial planning, uh, where you should open the 401k, how to open it, you know, what investments to choose to, to put your money in once you have the account open. Uh, I'll have more details updated soon. So stick around for that. If you miss something, you can always go to the website and check it out there. It's letstruck.com. Thanks for joining me today. Be safe. Be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Ruff. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.